Creative South podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostel. Creative South is over for 2016, and I don't know about you, but 2017 can't get here soon enough. This was by far my favorite Creative South yet. I had the pleasure of recording my first ever live podcast with the lovely and talented Clark Orr, which we'll be releasing later this week. I met a ton of incredible new people and was able to catch up with old friends. I hope you were able to do the same. I want to thank everyone who came out to support us and all of the people who came up to me during CS16 to let me know how much they liked the podcast. I'm so lucky to be a part of Creative South and I can't thank the entire team and all of you who listen and support this enough. It truly is an honor. In case you were wondering, the podcast is here to stay and we'll be putting out new episodes every week. Head over to creativesouthga.com slash podcast to catch up on all of our back episodes and stay tuned for new episodes featuring some of our incredible presenters and guests new to the Creative South family. My guest today is Scott Fuller of the Studio Temporary. Scott is an Atlanta-based designer who's had the pleasure of speaking at Creative South in the past. Scott and I sit down and talk about the hustle to find new clients, being a table tennis whiz kid, what the future holds for him, and the joys and challenges of raising special needs children. Today on the podcast, we have Scott Fuller from Studio Temporary. Scott, thanks for uh, joining us. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, you know, it's always good to talk to uh, talk to good friends, Alabama folks, Southern folk, and uh, you know, Creative South friends is always uh, always a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I am too. Um, so let's get rolling real quick. Um, why don't you uh, start off just by telling us a little about yourself uh, growing up and you know where you're from and all that. Uh, little known fact, I was actually born in um, Montgomery, Alabama, um, but we moved uh, to Georgia when I was two, so I, I had to kind of pick one, so I claimed Georgia, sorry. Um, still have quite a bit of family over in Alabama in the Montgomery and Prattville area, um, but uh, my dad is a, uh, my dad was, still is a uh, machinist, my mom's a school teacher, um, had been for basically all my life. And, um, you know, I grew up like a, like a normal kid, uh, you know, Hot Wheels and Legos and, uh, playing basketball and baseball and, you know, football and street hockey and what, anything else that I could do, riding bikes and everything the kids in the neighborhood, um, drawing and painting was always something that I enjoyed, especially drawing. Um, and, um, you know, growing up was always a lot of, you know, it was anytime I wasn't outside playing, I was inside drawing or building something. I always enjoyed working with my mm-hmm. hands. So, you know, this seemed to be, you know, uh, a good profession for me to do, but I didn't realize that this profession really even existed until I was in college. Oh, that's the same way I was. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I did all the, you know, the normal stuff. I graduated from, uh, from high school when I was 16, went straight into school and, um, my well, well, initial, well, let, well, let's back up and talk about that. How does one graduate <laughs> from high school at 16? It was a private, it was a private school and uh-huh. it was, it was, you know, it wasn't based on age or, um, you know, if you're this age or in this grade or whatever, if you worked ahead and there was still plenty of time left in the school, they let you keep going. Oh, wow. Um, so, uh, my sisters actually did the same thing, um, graduated when they were 16 as well. So, um, went to the same school and did the same thing. 
Um, so you're just starting to drive and graduating high school. Did you, I mean, so when you did this, do you like go to college straight away or did you take a little break yeah. in between? No, I went straight away. Okay. Um, I had been, um, you know, I had been, uh, you know, work with my dad, uh, all through school. I'd been doing, you know, trig and calculus, trigonometry and calculus and physics and, uh, geometry, all that type of math, you know, growing up into there. And then my dad being machinist, one of the things that I, my initial major was mechanical engineering mm-hmm. is what I was going to go into. And then, um, I declared that going into my senior year of, of high school and, um, I started drawing some more, um, you know, more and more and more. And I realized that, you know, there was something to this, you know, maybe there was something more, something to this. My, uh, um, you know, my, uh, my uncle was an artist and uh, I always enjoy talking with him and learning things from him. But, um, I decided to go back and visit the college, uh, one more time. And instead of going to the, you know, all the, you know, uh, computer and mechanical engineering kind of stuff. I went and saw the art department Mm -hmm. and, uh, just a whole new world opened to me. So I, and, and and to back up a second, I'm, did you say what college you went to? I didn't even, I I, I I may have uh, missed that. (laughs) Yeah. I went to a place called a Pensacola Christian. It was in a PCC. You were an hour away from me. Yeah. So wasn't that, wasn't that bad. It was about a four, it's about a four and a half hour trip, um, from where we lived. Um, Mm. I hold the record in my family for making it in three hours and 47 minutes. Uh, I will not tell you how fast I was driving, but I can do that. I I highly recommend that you uh, don't ever go that fast again. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, I didn't hit triple digits. We'll just say that you were just shy of it though. No, not quite. But, um, you know, it was early, early in the morning, no traffic, no cops. So, uh, obviously, yes, thank goodness. <laughs> but, um, you know, I made it and it was fun. But, um, I, uh, <laughs> so I went there and, you know, it opened up something completely new. And, um, when I went back and gave my address, um, at graduation, the only people that I told that I was going to go into, um, art, um, was my parents. Mm-hmm. Everybody else thought I was going for something else. So I went up there and I mentioned that and it was like the air got <laughs> let out of the room. <laughs> I had a few folks come up to me and say, are you sure that's what you want to do? You know, and but I knew it. I knew that that was, you know, what I wanted to do. I started out in commercial art, more fine art mm-hmm. than anything. A lot of drawing and illustration. Uh, to this day, I still hate oil painting. Uh, uh, yeah, I, that, I, I understand I oil oil painting is the reason I am a graphic designer. <laughs> you too, huh? Yeah. I mean, we used. To, it, it's so funny because I'd been doing design for most of my life without realizing it. And my first two years in school, we used to refer to designers as people who couldn't draw, which is ironic because even to this day, if you look at my sketchbook, it's just a bunch of chicken scratch. So you know, I, I don't. I don't claim to be a good you know artist or you know illustrator. You know, when it comes to freehand and stuff like that, but. You know, I consider myself to be a decent designer, and it's something that I really enjoyed doing. I just didn't know what it was until then. My um, after taking that uh, <laughs> aforementioned oil painting class, I um, um, I was just I was just kind of done with art. I was sick of drawing trees and bushes and cars, and it was everything had to be very photorealistic and. Mm-hmm. For me, it was just 
it was boring because it's like the real thing looks better than this because I can't really do my own interpretation of it. Right. So I was going to scrap hard and go back to me and do what I was going to do in the, in the first place. But I said, I'll go one more year and see what happens. It's on scholarship, so why not? So I, my first class my junior year was graphic design, like 301 or something like that. I sat in there and after an hour, I realized this is why I came to school. This is why I declared art as my major. So I went immediately to the registrar's office, changed my major to graphic design, and uh, that's kind of all she wrote. So I'm, I'm trying to do the math here. Since you start college at 16, how old were you when you finished college? Did you do four years, do five years? It ended up being five years. Um, oh, so you, well, you graduated at a relatively moment. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that wasn't that wasn't a big deal at all. Um, I graduated from there. Um, my wife and I got married. Um, uh, what is it? I graduated in in May, and then she graduated in December, and then we got married in December. Um, so that was uh, that was a crazy Christmas, but um, it's been pretty amazing. And now seven years with Julie, and uh, you know, seven years and counting. Um, so you meet, you meet your wife in Pensacola. Is she from there? Is she from there originally or? No, her parents are actually, uh, her mom's from West Virginia. Her dad is from Japan. Ah. So they're actually the, her folks are actually missionaries over there currently. Mm -hmm. Um, so she had dual citizenship when I, when I met her. Um, but she was a music major at school. She can play flute, piano, a little bit of guitar. Um, she's an incredible musician. And, um, you know, I met her there and, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, it was love at first sight for me. Uh, she took a little more convincing, but, uh, you know, uh, it's generally the way it is. Yeah. 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 I mean, at least for one of the parties involved. Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes it's one way, sometimes it's the other, but you know, if it's meant to work out, it'll work out. And you know, I'm, uh, I can't be, I, I couldn't be happier with, uh, you know, having her right here next to me, right here by my side. There's no way I'd be able to do anything, anywhere close to what I'm doing right now if um, if I didn't have her. So, well, let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, you're both in creative fields. You are a graphic designer, and I don't know what to refer to Julia as other than she's... She's, uh, a, uh, she's a fiber artist. Fiber uh, artist. That would be a good, that would be a much better term than an yeah. Etsy professional. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah. So she is an Etsy professional. That's, yes, and that's not a derogatory much. term. Very My much. wife is too. <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, so she does a lot of things. How does that? You know, does y'all's creative relationship ever have overlaps where you know she looks at things that you're doing or vice versa, and y'all talk about that, or are you kind of just you do well, your own always, thing and. We're always kind of bouncing ideas off each other, but it's more, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes uh, more we, we seem to cross over more on, on uh, like business things. I'll get, I'll get a second uh, pair of eyes from her, and then you know I might talk to her about you know social media or something like that, or um, you know working through this or that. Um, she recently um, uh, what is it made a hat for my store, my online store. Um, and that was pretty cool. I got to, you know, I got to make little tags and stuff, the hat and, mm -hmm. you know, worked on the colors and the pattern and everything. And then she made it and it's uh, it was pretty amazing. So I enjoy getting to work together. Plus I do all her design work as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't make a penny. Um, we're still working on that. Um, well, basically, basically, uh, she pays you by not making you sleep on the couch. 
Exactly, exactly. And I, I get pizza like every couple of like once uh, every couple of weeks. So, you know, yeah. Well, take, and, you know, I'll she had that. a kid for you. So I'm pretty well, sure you're indebted that. to her for, uh, you know, the rest of your you, life you, for that one. Yeah. I mean, you sit back and, you know, the list kind of starts to add up. Yeah. All the good things start to add up and you realize, you know what, I'm making a pretty good living just uh, doing my, you know, doing her design work. Yeah, that's uh, that's a, I'm the same way. But it's a but it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. It's uh, um, her, you know, her industry is not something that I generally have had an opportunity to work in that much. Mm-hmm. Um, that the, the type of work. So it's it's kind of a step uh, uh, a step outside of a little, a little bit outside of my comfort zone. But I really really enjoy it. Um, I had a lot of fun making the you know making the work for her, mm-hmm. and um, you know it's. Uh, it's always it's always fun seeing that uh, we have an office that we share here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sitting I'm sitting on my half, and a part of my half is bleeding into her half with all this uh, junk and stuff that I have over now, on my side. Do you have like the Laverne and Shirley tape lined down the middle so you guys can't cross over the side? No, uh, not quite. But <laughs> we have a. Uh, it's pretty clearly um, slightly pretty, designated spaces. Oh, it's you. You can definitely tell us whose space is whose. We have posters up and. You know, she's got the she's got the bottom two shelves of the bookshelf. I've got the top two. So, um, you know, yeah. Our, so our office at our house is um, split into a maybe four square foot area for um, my wife's computer and printer and all that stuff. And then the rest of it has um, just transformed into my kids playroom. Which yeah. le- was left me relegated for what our listeners can't see is the very um, state of the art um, podcast studio that I'm sitting in that also serves as the laundry room um, and, <laughs> and uh, partially depending on the time of day or time of year, a hoarder's den. So <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's it's lavish living. I got back here. Uh, it's agreed. I do have I do have kind of a hoarder's corner over here too. So part of it's on my desk and part of it's. Uh, well, I'm looking. Know, I'm so. And again, our our listeners can't see this. I'm looking at the rack behind you over your shoulder. And before we had kids, well, actually, we technically still have that same rack. And um, I will lean out of the way, and you can see some yeah. of, some of ours. But we have an entire closet um, in our house dedicated to um stuff like that so there's lots of tubes and art supplies and yeah miscellaneous things that probably haven't been touched in six years yeah (laughs) i try to keep i try to keep you know i have a small space here so i try to you know make use out of every inch you know so every one of those poster tubes are filled to the brim Mm. with uh stuff i just ran out of wall space to hang stuff i go you know i use a lot of those books um in my in my work or you know, just, you know, inspiration or different things like that. Sure. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of a nice, it's, it's small, but it's, it's all I need right now. So, yeah. so you know, I'll so, take it and use it and enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah. So kind of backing up a little bit, um, or actually backing up a lot of it. Um, you know, so you graduate college. Um, mm-hmm. what do you do after college? Um, I go to work as a grunt boy in a machine shop. Really? So not even yeah. using your degree? No, I well, when I got out when I got out of college, I ended up I did an intern. Well, I did an internship at a um, 
at an agency in Atlanta for four months called mm-hmm. the Brand Fever. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was called the Jones Group at that time. They changed to Brand Fever, and it's since been sold. Um, but I got a chance to work on my first my first big client. They actually gave me an account um, a month into my internship, which oh, was wow. crazy. But I got to go on photo shoots for America's Mart. I worked on stuff for Coca Cola, working you know some big guys. My first month there. I, uh, <laughs> my first month there, I'd used a exacto knife and, you know, straight edge and, you know, spray glue. That was my life for about the first month there. Um, I'd come home all hunched over, you know, just from leaning over that desk, which was not quite the right height, but it was too high to sit in a chair kind of deal. So it was, it was really a pain, but I built really cool stuff with just paper and tape and <laughs> and that type of things. But you know, you got to you start out doing what the, you know what they tell you to do, and you say thank you. You know, mm-hmm. um, they treated me so so well there. Um, but that was 2008. As everything kind of the economy kind of went you know downhill, mm-hmm. so I had a very difficult time finding a job. So I took a job. You know, right after Julie and I got married, I took a job at a machine shop uh, about maybe 15 minutes away from us. I was I worked the dirtiest, grungiest, nastiest job there, which I was in charge of all the material. I'd go in eight, nine hours a day. Uh, what is it? Eight or nine hours a day and just, um, you know, cut up material and lifting stuff and around with forklifts and metal chips all under my fingernails and you know, all the guys down there, like uh, everybody there smoked. So like it was, I'd come home reeking of smoke, barely breathe, you know, and I did that for three months. Um, I got laid off after three months and it was, you know, back and forth. I was working at my dad's shop and then trying to freelance a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I got out of school, there was no glamour. There was no glamour. We were struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, it was not fun. I mean, I, um, you know, I made as many contacts as I could. I went to, you know, AIGA events and different things, put my work out there as best I could, but I wasn't getting a chance to really do anything. And, um, that's when I kind of started doing, you know, something that I guess I'm a little known for now is the cold calling and, the, um, you know, just going out and getting the work, you know, instead of, you know, instead of waiting for it to come to me, um, that kind of started out of necessity, but I, it's turned into something that I have a lot of fun with. You, you get out of school, you're working at the machine shop, um, you know, you get laid off and you're kind of bouncing around, just hustling, trying to find stuff. Uh, you know, how long did it kind of take you to land something steady? Um, I ended up landing something steady towards the end of that year. I did, uh, um, I started working in an Apple store. Oh, okay. Um, there was a little uh, little store there in Peachtree City. Um, I started working there. I worked there for about three months. Mm-hmm. I met some really cool folks um, and uh, really got to work on, you know, kind of my delivery. I mean, I'm, I'm a friendly guy and I really enjoy talking to people. So I got to kind of, I got to really be paid to do that. It was a laid back environment and, um, you know, we always had a really, really good time, you know, but it was, but at the same time, you know, you still, you know, you know, you make your sales and I learned, and I really, really learned about, you know, the equipment that I was selling, which was really awesome. Um, 
And then I had uh, I met some folks, a little marketing company there in town that eventually hired me on a contract basis for um, about a year and a half, which was kind of cool. Um, whenever they had work, they would you know call me up. Then I got my big break. Um, there was a uh, I came in, a lady came in, I sold her an iPad, and uh, she went and back and told her husband. Um, and he came in and actually bought a laptop from me. And one of the things that I, you know, I was still trying to do a little design work on the side, but one of my selling points was talking about the power of, you know, the laptop and everything like that was, you know, this is what I use for my, my work and everything. And he said, oh, wait, you know, I actually own a trucking company, a big mm -hmm. trucking supply company up in Atlanta. And we actually need some, some freelance work done. Would you be willing to come up and talk to us? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be fine. You know, I, I'd love to. Okay. So, um, so I take a day off, drive up there to see him. And, uh, he said, there's been, um, a little bit of change. He said, I actually don't want to use you for, um, for freelance. And I'm thinking, I just drove all the way up here for you to tell me that. And I told him, you know, I said, I drove all the way up here. You couldn't just tell me that over the phone. <laughs> you know, and he said, no, 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 you don't understand. Don't, he said, don't get ahead of yourself here. <laughs> he said, he said, don't, he said, hold on a minute. He said, I don't want you to contract. He said, I want to hire you full time to run the, to do all the design work for the company. I want you to do everything here in house catalogs, rebrand, I mean, just everything. It just blew me away. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, more than tripled what I was making at, uh, at the Apple store, even after everything, after sales and everything like that, mm -hmm. which was nuts. Then comes the crazy part. I go home that night and Julie comes up to me and says, I'm pregnant. So that was like the ultimate day. That's uh, a great day. the most incredible day in our, in our marriage at that point. Mm -hmm. And still one of the greatest is, you know, I get that, I get that first nice little design job. Yeah. So you're riding on a high from uh, getting hired oh. to do a job when you've been, I don't want to say stuck working because it's. I'm kind of a firm belief there's nothing beneath me if I got a family to support. But, agreed, agreed. But at the same time, you know, but it's not what you want to be doing. Yeah, and you know, you you come home and you know, you know from whatever job that is, and you you know you're up until all hours of the night doing what you want, you know, doing what you eventually want to do. Mm -hmm. And um, I did that really even when I was uh, when I was working at uh, it was called Global Parts Incorporated. They're still using the logo that I designed for them in 2010, so that was pre that's pretty neat. Um, but one of the things that was amazing about that job is when I went in there, they didn't look at me as like a new kid, new hire to kind of like push around. They actually trusted me, which was amazing. They gave me freedom to do what I needed to do. If I wanted to go to a conference, I could go to a conference. If I um, – like creative mornings – um, every, the last Friday of every month, I got a half a day so that I could go and do that, um, without any, without any question or concern. That, and, that's great. Cause I mean, generally, you know, generally in environments like that, they're not necessarily known for understanding, you know, the design world and, you know, creative people in general. You know, it was a uh, trucking, it was a trucking yeah, company yeah. too. So, I mean, I, but that's the thing, you know, I've grown up around, you know, I've grown up around blue collar work my entire life, mm -hmm. you know, working in my dad's shop, you know, working in all these different places, you know, I've, um, it's what I, it's what I was, you know, 
it's what I've always been around. It's what I've always grown up around. So to me, these are my guys, you know? Yeah. So you were comfortable I, in that environment. Oh, oh yeah. I had my, I had my own office, had my own uh, computer. Um, you know, I actually got to pick out my own thing. My last is so funny. My last sale and my biggest sale ever at, um, the Apple store was the computer that he bought for me that would be in this, that would be in my office on Monday. So you're double dipping at that point. Yeah, it was great. It was great. I said, Oh yeah. And you know, I need this and this and I might've fudged a little bit on a few things. Maybe I didn't necessarily need that, but it was good to have. Yeah. Hey, it worked. It worked. So, um, but that was fun. Um, I was there for a year and a half and, um, that's when I, that's actually when I founded, um, the studio temporary it was while I was still working that job. So, you know, since you mentioned studio temporary, you know, how do you come up with that name? <laughs> um, I've been working at global parts for a little over a year and, uh, we were living in Noonan and we're living a little loft in Noonan and, um, there, uh, I was always looking for little freelance clients because it's always nice to have a little bit of extra money. But at the same time, it's it's cool stuff. Um, I got a chance to work for a restaurant called The Cellar, um, and I had a week and a half to do everything. From and this is while I had a full time job, mm-hmm. the identity, the menus, the whole shebang, and I got it done. Mm-hmm. Um, my our, <laughs> our first meeting with uh, the owner was at eleven thirty at night. We finished up there about one and she wrote me the check for the whole thing right then, you know, so I walked out of there. It was, it was amazing. Um, did the work, went really, really well. Then we went to build the sign for, for the restaurant. There was an old school, uh, sign, you know, sign guy in Noonan. Mm-hmm. And if you've, if y'all have ever been in any like smaller towns, you know, whether it's Noonan or Columbus or, uh, you know, Fayetteville or something like that. You'll see houses along the road to a main, like along a main street. You might see a bunch of houses, but they're they're businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and this I, this was yeah. I, 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 my neighborhood is right across from several of those houses. Yeah, so um, there was just a whole row of those on your way into Noonan, about a half miles worth of them. And one of the guys there, um, he, I uh, <laughs> went over there and helped him build the sign. And I walked into his back room in his little studio, and it was amazing. Uh, this awesome little space, nice and cozy and quaint, all this old stuff. And it was amazing. The guy was so, so nice. Um, Mm -hmm. and we were working on the sign. Now this guy was so cool, right? He was ambidextrous. He could letter, sign, paint, carve, uh, all these things. And he could do it equally well with both hands. He, he had just taught himself. So I said, I said, you know, why? And he said, well, I'm not getting any younger. He said, so I just write with my left hand until that gets tired. And then I switch to my right hand until that gets tired. And then I switch back to my – just sitting there going, are you insane? This guy is nuts. I can barely write with my right hand. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Just, But the coolest and the nicest guy ever. Well, I lived about three minutes walking distance from this guy's shop. We were right outside of Main Street, mm-hmm. outside of the square in Noonan. And um, I got this idea. I said, you know, do you ever consider letting anybody use this space after you leave? Which sounds really creepy. But he ended, But we talked. You know, it was, mm-hmm. here's what I'm doing. You know, I'm working a full-time job and I'd love to have a place that I can just kind of come to and work at. And he gave me a key. 
Mm-hmm. He gave me access to the entire place, you know, everything. He said, you know, here's the heat, here's the cooling, you turn it off, lock it up, you know, mm-hmm. a whole bit. So for a year, um, you know, most nights when I'd get back, you know, from, from work, I'd go there till two, three, sometimes four in the morning. And then I'd get up and drive into Atlanta the next day and work my full-time job. Um, but I love that little place. So I started, um, my first night there, I said, I've got to call this place something, uh, you know, just kind of like a, almost like a, like a christening of, uh, you know, of a new location. So as a joke, I called it the studio temporary <laughs> and, um, and I, you know, refer to it as, as a place more than an entity. Um, and after about six months, I realized there was something more to it. And I read a interview when I read an interview, uh, by one of the founders of Pentagram, uh, Alan Fletcher, mm-hmm. um, when it was initially called uh, Fletcher, Forbes, and Gill, I read an interview, and somebody asked him what the most important tool in the studio was, and he said, "It's my head," and that really that really kind of hit home with me because I've I've you know my whole career and you know most of my life I've been kind of bouncing around from here and there and everywhere, you know whether it was economy or just you know bad timing or you know it just it was nuts so that kind of resonated with me, so I was like this is it. You know, it's a long name. I'm not Mm going to lie, you know, but it means more to me, you know, thinking of it along those lines, you know, and this idea of good design, wherever I happen to be, um, it worked, you know, (laughs) I'm like a nomad going around with my backpack, you know, just, I'm, what are you doing? I'm I'm on the hunt for internet, for Wi-Fi. you know, but it was, um, you know, it was cool. And the name stuck and I got to make my own thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been doing business as the Studio Temporary for a little over three years now. Gotcha. So, you know, touching on that, you, you, you mentioned you, you take your backpack and go wherever you feel. And I know a lot of times, like, I'll be talking to you, like, I'm heading to Columbus to the day to go see Mike or... You know, doing something else. I'm actually I'm actually doing that on Thursday. So, are, when you do that, are you going down there and to find clients and just happen to be dropping in, or are you just you're just going to visit a friend and work from there visit. at the time? I'm going to visit. You know, I'll drive down there, and you know, we'll, we might have breakfast at Plucked Up or something, and then we'll go. We'll, I mean, because he's got to work. I'm yeah. going down there to you know to kind of be in the same area. It's a new feeling. I love the small. I love small town life. I love it. Love it. Love it. And, you know, I was born and raised around it. And it's something that I'm always trying to look to get back to. But I'll sit in there with him, you know, Matt Gillespie. Those two guys are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you know, lock onto their Wi-Fi and we just go. You know, we might order lunch into the studio and then keep working. And then, um, you know, that night, you know, Matt might head home or something. And then, you know, Mike and I will go out and we'll get a barbecue or something like that. And just, mm-hmm. just kind of chill and hang out. For a little bit and then I'll drive home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's really nice for me because I get to kind of step out of it, you know, out of, you know, out of the, the little small area right here. And I get to go see a buddy, a good friend of mine and leave uh, the walls of your house and interact with yeah, actual yeah. people. Yeah. And, and that's kind of nice. You know, I try to do that whenever I can, um, you know, and it, it's, it's something that I've something really, really fun. And I think really important for me, you know, not just for, you know, development or whatever, but it really kind of builds that sense of community and, you know, 
to go and be able to hang with one of your best friends. I think it's, uh, you know, anytime you can do that is always, it's always good, you know, good for the soul, good for the spirit and, uh, sure. good for the stomach, especially when you're <laughs> <in> the <clothes. laughs> Yeah. Well, maybe not so good for the waistline, but definitely good for making that, that stomach happy. Um, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, speaking of that, you know, with, you know, getting out of the office and going to see people and hang out with your friends and all, you know, one of the things I noticed that you do a lot is you, you go junking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what started your kind of interest in that? And, um, well, I've always enjoyed, um, I, I guess this, this kind of stems from a little something my childhood. I'm a, I'm a NASCAR fan, um, big surprise down in the South, you know, but, but I am, um, that's how I got a lot of work. Um, my first start doing design work is doing paint schemes for the cars. I used to design them for my buddies and we, you know, I designed the cars and we'd race the cars on, you know, on the computer or something mm-hmm. like that. And, um, so I was always looking for those. I was going into little old shops and looking for those old ones. Um, I was always a big fan of signs, like the big signs. And then I got inspired, you know, a few years back to, to look closer, to really, really look, you know, look closer. And once I started doing that, a whole new world opened up to me. Um, one of the things, the biggest reason that I really, really enjoy doing this is, is a lot of, so much of my stuff lives online and that's fine. It's, it's just kind of the way it is. And I have no problem with that. I love, I love doing it, but anytime that I can make a physical product, anytime that I can see something that was designed by one of the old masters, uh, you know, I found a, you know, I came home with a humongous stack of matchbooks, um, a couple of weeks ago and I'm looking through there, looking through there, looking through there. And then on the spine, not on the front of the cover, not on the front of the matchbook, but on the little spine of the matchbook, I found this beautiful logo by Lance Wyman. I had never thought I'd see it, you know, where, where it was, but to be able to see something like that and hold it, it's a whole new experience, sure. you know, seeing how it can work in, 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 you know, really, really small places and how beautiful it looks. Very simple, you know, very just to the point, beautiful colors, you know, but just with this, this quality, this, this attitude that it's just doing its job. And uh, my desk is just full of buttons and patches, and stickers and notebooks and boxes and, uh, bottles and Tonka trucks and, uh, you know, metal pins and, you know, so many other things, old pencils or die cast cars, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a getaway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I really enjoy and it kind of, it kind of helps me focus too. Um, you know, not necessarily getting back to a different time period, but just to help me focus on, you know, things don't have to be as complicated as, you know, as some people make them out to be, I think. Um, you know, I've made intricate stuff. I'm not saying anything against that at all, but it's just, it's something that I enjoy doing and, you know, it does nothing if not, uh, you know, inspire me to do better work and work that's more focused. Um, you know, I try to go every couple of weeks. Um, um, I'm actually going this weekend. Uh, there's a big antique show, antique expo that comes into town mm-hmm. the second weekend of every month. 
and I will be there with a couple of my buddies, and uh, <laughs> I already know where I'm going to hit. Um, I, have, <laughs> I have vendors there that know me now that actually <laughs> set, set stuff aside for me, which is really, really fun. Um, um, quick tip, if you're going to go, um, um, if, if you see boxes under if there's a table full of stuff, you look through that, and then you see a bunch of boxes under the table, always ask to look in the boxes. Most of the time, the stuff that's in there is better than what's on the top. Gotcha. I will keep that in mind. Our, you know, so our flea market here in Mobile is one of the sorriest flea markets. You will not find stuff like that. You will find every you know ripped-off bootleg toy that's you know, transmorphers or, you know, <laughs> go boots. Or oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. GI Bill, that that sort of thing. You'll find that there. But finding like actual like you know, just cool ephemera from a time gone past, you're not gonna find it. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll find every puppy mill puppy and questionable food product available, but yeah. And, Our, ours and here is quite sad. Yeah, and, and it just depends. Like, if uh, my, my wife can attest to this, anytime we drive by, we see an estate sale sign or a yard sale. I always want to stop. <laughs> if we're on a road trip and I see a sign like, "Hey, antique mall, three exits up," <laughs> you know, I always get really, really excited uh, when I see that. Yeah, Tina um, is is um, a much bigger fan of that than I am. I have come to appreciate it, but mm-hmm. it's not like something that i have to go out of my way to do or we'll take a detour to do yeah um yeah I'll, I'll go out of my way i'll take a little detour if i have to um i'll leave an extra day or an extra few hours earlier um if i know that there's a few things along the way mm-hmm. you know to where i'll be able to stop and do that type of stuff sure. um, when i went to uh, when i went to speak in chattanooga uh, back in november uh, i left <laughs> oh my goodness uh, i left uh, in the you know, early, earlier in the morning. And I hit maybe two or three places on the way up there. Mm-hmm. And then um, I did a bunch of work that night to where I could cut the next day. I could come back and spend like the first half of the day hitting the other places that I missed <laughs> on the <laughs> way up. And I found some amazing stuff. Um, took, a, took a lot of pictures and brought a lot of it home too, which was, which was pretty amazing. Cool. So, you know, speak, you, you mentioned going up to um, speed it check speak at Chattanooga. Um, try running that together real quick. And, um, you know, you, you've had a few speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you, how did you do that? Like, so, um, let's see. I know that you've done creative South, creative South. You've done AIGA and you've done mm-hmm. Pecha a couple times. Have you mm-hmm. done any other? Um, I spoke at Atlanta technical college, um, that same year that I did, um, that I spoke there. I've also spoken at, uh, at AAF, the American Advertising Federation in uh, Dothan, Alabama, which was really fun. And, um, I've also spoken at my, uh, school once oh, cool. just, um, you know, there in, in one of the, one of the classes, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but that's been a lot, that's been a lot of fun. It's, it's a surreal experience and, you know, I'm forever indebted to the folks at Creative South for giving me, uh, my first opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, so do you still talk about the same thing you talked about at Creative South or have you changed it up or do you 
Or do you try to change it up for where you're going this week? Not necessarily, because I've done a lot more. I mean, if you if you think about it, the first time I spoke was 2014. Mm-hmm. We're coming up on two years since that first time. I've done a lot. A lot has happened in my life. Um, I've gotten better as a designer, um, you know, as a, you know, as a person, I think sometimes to, you know, and that shows through, through some of my talk, you know, I talk about, you know, the things I learned and that could change, <laughs> that could change the talk from day to day. Oh yeah. You know, if you talk about the new things that you learn, but, um, some of the basics of my talk are, are similar. Uh, you know, I'm you know, obviously talk a little bit about how you got started, but, you know, the, the going out and the cold calling and different mm-hmm. things like that and how I actually, you know, got the the opportunity, some of them completely natural, some of them completely unnatural to do some of the work that I do is um, it's a lot of fun to talk about. And, um, you know, I don't want to get up there and start. I don't want to preach. You know, I, that, that's not my job. My job's you know, to go up there, you know, and tell my story and, and then go from there. People take it can take it with a grain of salt. What worked for me may not work for them. The path that I took, I would never <laughs> suggest anybody take that path. You know, I, I, mean? I mean, I think that's a kind of similar theme along a lot of people is, you know, yeah. Unless but, you just get horribly lucky, nobody ever. You don't want to ever suggest somebody takes that path on there because there's generally a lot of bumps <laughs> along the road. But uh, but that's the same thing though. I mean, but if I look back at that now, I'd say I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. going through all that, and I learned so much more. Um, you know, some of it learned the hard way. Uh, I know that feeling. Yeah, and it's just you know, getting up there and doing that. It's it's just a lot of fun. You can get up there. You can just be yourself. Um, and uh, I. Usually don't use any notes or anything like that. Um, I rarely practice beforehand. Um, I actually, um, when I gave my talk at Creative South, that was the first time I'd actually given the talk ever. <laughs> yeah, and that includes that includes in my in my office, uh, in my bedroom, you know, in my sleep. Um, but it's it's really nice, you know. I knew what slides were coming along, and I just got up there and just started talking. You know, that way I don't miss that way. I'm not, oh, you missed this part in your outline. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not on any, I'm not on any plan with that. And that's, that makes it a lot more fun for me. Well, speaking of knowing what side slides are coming along, you know, you've done, like I said before, you've done Pecha Kucha twice. Um, for those people who don't know, can you kind of explain what Pecha Kucha is? So Pecha Kucha um, is actually originated in Japan. Uh, they have uh, quite, a, I think a couple hundred chapters worldwide, but basically um, most of the chapters held one uh, either once a month or once every couple of months, and they'll get about nine to somewhere between nine to twelve people to get up there for six minutes and f- I think it's like six minutes and forty seconds or something. You get twenty slides, and the slide stays up for twenty seconds. So you know twenty by twenty is what they call it, um, and you're not in control of that. You get up there, you introduce yourself, organizer hits start, and you're off and running. Um, and you can talk about anything you want. I mean, when I got up there, uh, I think the the few people before me, somebody talked about uh, like the local film festival. Somebody talked about the history of belly dancing. Somebody uh, did some weird financial thing. Some guy was a CSX uh, a train conductor, which was amazing. And then I got to finish up. And then I got to end the night, you know, talking about the studio and talking about some of my work and and talking about you know kind of my day to day. And it was really really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a small. The crowds are. 
actually kind of sizable there. I think the last one that I talked to, there was about 250, 300 people there. Um, it was amazing. And we fit all in this little coffee shop, which I still can't believe they did. It was hot and sweaty and nasty in there. I got up there for my, uh, <laughs> I got up there to introduce myself. I said, hi, my name is Scott Fulham, the studio temporary. I'm also very claustrophobic and may throw up on you. So please first row, watch out. All right, let's get started. And <laughs> just, like all the girls in the front row were just, you know, like this. Party of the Red Sea. <laughs> and I'm just messing around. I, I love talking to people. I love, uh, um, I love interacting with people. Um, mm. I love starting up conversations in sometimes weird and funny ways. Anybody who knows me knows I enjoy doing that. But um, it was fun. You just get up there, first couple slides, you kind of get your nerve up. And then once that once that happens, you just go. Once mm. it's done, you sit down and then you hang around afterwards, listen to the other you know performances and talks and just hang out. Um, I really enjoy that part you know, afterwards, yeah. you know, cause people who may have never met you before, they'll come up to you and, Hey, I didn't know this about you. Um, and then, you know, you got something to talk about and then you talk about their talks and it's, it's just a lot of fun. Well, I would imagine, you know, as a person, when you're up there speaking, when you get done, it's, or at least for me, cause I am, I'm the introverted extrovert and I'm fine in like one or two people and mm -hmm. I'm fine in a really big group. But when there's small groups around and when you have to do, you know, small talk and things like that, I clam up and I, you know, never know what to say. And I'm, I'm generally not going to be the person that goes up and like introduces myself or something like that. I'm going to wait for someone to come to me. So that, mm -hmm. that thing for me, I think if I was speaking would be nice because then you have the people who've seen you talk who want to come talk to you. Yeah. And what's, what's really cool about, you know, doing that is, you know, like when I spoke at Creative South and I looked out there and, you know, I saw the people there, you realize, you know, they didn't just come just because they bought a ticket. They came because they actually wanted to hear something. Mm -hmm. They actually wanted to hear what I had to say. And that kind of settles you down and, and kind of comforts you. And you realize, you know what, I'm up, I'm up here. I'm doing this. If I, if I mess up, I mess up, but I still get a chance. I still get to say, I got a chance to speak at creative South. And, uh, and it was easily one of the greatest experiences of my life. Cool. So, you know, Moving forward, you've got, you know, Studio Temporary has been around for three years. Um, and I know you, well, you'll probably have already moved in by the time this airs, but you're about to actually move into an actual sort of office. Um, <laughs> but you've got an interesting tie with that. You want to talk about that real quick? Yeah. So um, around November. Around, uh, yeah, early November, I, um, I met a man named Michael Tavani, who, uh, if any of you guys have heard of Scout Mob, mm -hmm. he and his partner, David Payne, are the founder of that. Um, I had been commissioned to do some work for a local, um, uh, for a guy who was doing this, uh, incredible line of, of lights and lighting and, and different things like that. And which we're actually going to be starting, uh, towards the end of January, mm -hmm. but he's, um, he builds these incredible spaces and he was actually commissioned to build the space inside this place called switch Arch, which is a, it's a local, like a, it's like a startup community slash co-working space. Um, and, I saw him working on it and I made a comment on the Switchyards page and I said, this is amazing. Well, Michael got back in touch with me. Apparently I didn't know this. He'd been following my work for 
a while. I had no idea. And he, I mean, he knew who I, he knew who I was. And, uh, I, um, I talked and I said, Hey, that'd be pretty cool. And he said, let me know if I can help with anything. And he actually said, uh, yeah, let's talk. Okay. So he sent me an email with all the details of the meet and everything. And I didn't realize who it was. I read, and I read the signature at the end and I realized, holy cow, this is, this is Mike Tavani. This is a scout mob guy. I had no idea. So I got a chance to meet him. And work so, so was it one of those when you like read it, you're like, I wonder if it's that Mike Tavani. Couldn't no. be that like, Oh, you knew exactly. No. Then when you saw no, it, you were like, well, we, when we had been talking back and forth. It was just Michael, you know, mm. you know, it was, you know, Michael at Switchyards, you know, or, uh, you know, this, but I never heard, I never heard his last name until I got that email. And ah. once I once I read the once I read the email, then I realized who had been talking. Connected to the dots and figured. <laughs> yeah, out. I connected yep. the dots, and uh, then uh, we started talking. Uh, we had a great, great talk, and he commissioned me to do the uh, a lot of the <laughs> not only the uh, some of the interior work that I'm actually currently working on while we're talking, um, but also that big, big hand painted sign on the front of that building. Five feet tall, 44 feet wide on a 90-year-old building right in the heart of downtown Atlanta. It'll be there forever. And I, oh man, the first time I saw that thing finished, I cried. It was unbelievable seeing that. And, you know, now I get a chance not just to be there and, you know, have a space in that incredible little community, mm-hmm. you know, but also get to say, I got a chance to work with these guys. And, you know, to be in a space like that is amazing, but to actually have a part in the, you know, helping build some of the culture in that area is, is amazing. Well, that's an interesting area right there. Cause I kind of know where it's at and it's, I wouldn't say it's run down, but it's not the best area. It's kind of one of those that it flips and flops, you know sort of run with stuff well you turn it's 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 really cool because in atlanta sometimes you can turn down one street and it's you know high rise you can turn down the other street and it's run down buildings and parking lots you know right. and it's so funny because it's right it's right next to like america's mart and the marriott and like mm-hmm. ted turner's residence and the cnn center is like right across the street right uh, and then uh you know you go behind it and it's it's like in a whole other world right uh, but it was this 90-year-old building that they fixed up and um you know we'll be moving in here in the next couple of weeks and uh i'm just i really I, i'm gonna keep telling everybody i'm so so excited about it yeah that that that, that is an exciting kind of thing because you, you know you go from working out of your house to you, know, you can see the progression of you know you get out of school you you know pay your dues and build your way up and then you go you know out on your own um doing the studio temporary thing and then you can you know get into your own space and i mean you're still on your own but you're on your own around other people and and, you know having looked at like switchyard site and things like that because you you know i saw you post the thing and i checked it out and then i've got a friend here who owns a uh co-working space and i've been talking to him about some stuff and i was just trying to think of examples of cool things to show them and you know hit on everything that they're doing with that place and it's absolutely gorgeous. Oh man, they've uh, 
Josh Charles is the guy who's uh, doing all the interior work on that. Mm-hmm. He's been sending me photos and texts. And uh, uh, Adam McNeil, who's doing all the sign painting and everything, he's been sending me photos for the mm-hmm. last three days. It is absolutely gorgeous, and um, I can't wait to uh, I can't wait to you know for some of the work that I'm doing right now. I cannot wait for it to finally. It won't just <laughs> it won't just be seeing the light of day. It'll be painted on you know, on the, on the building or on the columns or, or uh, we, he just finished doing some work just on the, on the glass door. I got to design the, the type and stuff like that after the door, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it's bonkers, but I'm so, so happy to be a part of something like that. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's, it's awesome to do that. And, you know, I've seen lately you've been posting a lot of other things and, you know, I kind of chuckled when you said your wife's a fabric artist. Cause I know one of the, one of the things that uh, you've been working on now is some branding for. Um, now I've blanked on the name, but they um, they do socks. Revive so, socks, yes. Yeah. And it's so funny because um, one of the questions that I was asked uh, when I spoke in Chattanooga was, "What is your dream client or your dream project?" And I had a heck of a time answering that question because it changes. You know, I enjoyed designing the sock packaging and. And the actual socks themselves, you know, and that logo, I enjoyed that just as much as I enjoyed doing the Switch Arts brand. There was no, you know, it's it's, it's just from project to project. But um, I met the guy. Uh, we were out shooting, you know, shooting, you know, a, b- a basketball, you know, pickup game or whatever, and met the guy. We started talking. Turned out we had a few mutual friends. Um, he had been looking to kind of step up his, uh, you know, his, his socks, uh, you know, the game and the packaging and everything. And it just worked out perfectly that he and I happened to meet that night. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a meeting, we talked, signed the contract. I did it as identity in his packaging and, and everything. And now, um, I just got another, you know, another, uh, request for, you know, more sock designs, uh, from him, which I'll start here in the next couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm super excited about that, but, you know, I enjoy things like that just as much as, you know, the most incredible, you know, project you could think of. That's was probably one of my highlights of 2015 was doing that project. When you first mentioned it, I thought you were just doing the packaging, mm-hmm. you know, when you first mentioned it to me, but you know, you're going to actually be designing some socks. How does that work? It's, it's pretty nuts because, you know, yeah, it's these it's these compression socks, which uh, like basketball and athletic sock, which you know really kind of hits home for me. I, you know, as much as I enjoy doing that, and um, you know, playing the sports and especially basketball, um, and I, uh, you know, you design the identity and you design the look of the packaging, and then once that's done. Now you're designing what he's calling his flagship sock. It's the sock that he's known for, the one he has the most varieties in. Mm-hmm. Or if it's, it's if he's going to do like a, a wholesale order of team socks or something like that, this is going to be the sock that you get. So design that one, design kind of a retro version. And now I'm doing everything from, you know, USA to, uh, to Flames to, you know, uh, um, you know, breast cancer awareness or some stuff like that. I mean, there's so many, so many things on the table right now, um, with that, but, um, to look at it and, you know, when you design these things, and this is kind of where this, you know, me going out and doing all this treasure hunting and picking kind of comes into play 
is how is this thing actually going to look in your hands? What's it going to look like when it goes on somebody's leg? How is it going to stretch out? What is the is the design might look great flat, but what does it look like? You know, if somebody's got a Christmas ham for a calf, I mean, how is this? This is all stuff. That's a great to, description. This is all stuff that you have to think about, and um, it really. Um, it's a lot of fun. I love the little details. I love, uh, you know, playing around with just the, the tiniest little thing. And, um, this, that project really gave me an opportunity to do all of that. Everything that I enjoyed about my, about graphic design, I got a chance to do with that project. That's awesome. Um, so what else you got, uh, under your hat at the moment, uh, keeping close to the vest? <laughs> well, is there anything you can talk about or um i've got um what is it i'm working on a few uh i'm working on another typeface right now um that's still in the works um i just sent off the files for that one um so look for that here in the next few weeks um i um i am i'm, I'm gonna come out now and i'm gonna and i'm gonna say it i Mike and I talked about this three years ago, sitting on a plane, or two and a half years ago, sitting on a plane, squeezed into two seats on our way up to Cleveland. And one of the things we mentioned was I, I used to play table tennis a lot as a kid and growing up and everything. And we want to talk about that in a minute. Yeah, we'll get – I, I segued in there nice, you know, real nice for you. But um, one of the things that I wanted to do was actually create an apparel brand for um, for table tennis players. And I am coming out right now on this podcast at, um, you know, 2016 will be the year that I will, you know, announce and launch my table tennis brand. I'm saying it now. I want everybody to hold me accountable for this thing. I'm going to make it happen. I have no clue how right now. I have no, uh, uh, <laughs> I have a lot of stuff down on paper, but nothing concrete yet. But I'm saying it right now. This is 2016 is going to be that year. Um, so, you know, if I'm having a difficult client or something like that, and I need to take a 20 minute break, that's what I'll take a 20 minute break for, you know, but it is gonna, it's going to happen this year. Awesome. I uh, look forward to seeing it. Um, <laughs> speaking of that, what, what exactly is table tennis apparel? Okay. I mean, you know, shirts, you know, shirts, shorts, uh, you know, wristbands and headbands, uh, uh, whether it's, you know, cases for the paddles and, and balls and different things like that. Um, you can get further on into like shoes and, you know, track suits and all these different things, but I'm starting small. Um, and uh, my goal is to be able to, you know, kind of provide the apparel for like the Georgia games or something like that for the table tennis competition um, this year, you know, this summer. Um, so I'm talking to a few folks along those lines. Um, but just, um, so much of the design, it's really bright and colorful and kind of weird and kitschy and, mm -hmm. you know, fads and all kind of weird things like that now. And I want something that's really You're, you're describing it and somehow I'm picturing this mix of like 1970s short shorts with the uh, piping along the edges but with like 1980s neon colors. Yeah, and, and some of them have that, and so some of them do it well, some of them don't. But um, I think you if know, you're combining those two, you're not doing it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, as well as they can. As Especially well as the shorty shorts. Yeah. But um, 
but yeah, and it's but like I said, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be something that I really enjoy doing. And as much as I played, you know, growing up, it's something that's really, really close to my heart. And uh, I enjoy, I, you know, why design something like that if you're not going to be a fan of it, if you're not going to wear it yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, so let's talk about um, your um, your table tennis prowess, as I have heard um, many a tale of. Um, <laughs> Especially uh, apparently when you were at Circles Conference this year, you uh, you mopped the floor with a few people. I think. Oh, top! It was it was TopCon. Uh, oh, TopCon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I played in college, you know, just for fun, and then I picked it up. Uh, I didn't realize how serious people could get, and um, I went and then back. You became I, one of those serious people. <laughs> yeah, um, I. Uh, I found a I found a table tennis club in Atlanta and I started playing there and then one of the coaches there saw me play started working with me and then um you know gave me a goal it's like we're going to go to the we're going to take a team to um uh, to Des Moines, Iowa to the Junior Olympics and you know you and my son here who we ended up playing doubles and teams and stuff like that together we're going to be like you know the top wait, two guys wait, on the wait. team. There's there's doubles team table tennis too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I love. Wow, playing. that's one of that's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite things to play. Um, it's uh, it's quite a lot of fun. Um, the crazy thing is, uh, I've played I played basketball, baseball, you know, street hockey, and everything all growing up. Mm-hmm. But I worked with my table tennis coach, um, you know, for six or seven months. And after those seven months, I was in the best shape of my life, more than any one of those sports, sure. um, which was amazing. I uh, I played for I played for a while, and I wanted to keep getting better, but I kind of hit a wall. Then um, uh, one of my my um, former coach, who became a good friend of mine as well, moved from Korea to uh, to Atlanta. He was a former member of the Korean junior team. And um, was a practice partner for um, for the the men's team as well. Came over there to coach um, some of the top Atlanta players, and I convinced him uh, to uh, to work with me. So I'd go a few hours, you know, a few hours a week. I played five between five and six days a week, um, you know, three and four hours each day, and um, you know, working on drills and playing matches, and you know, when you know, whatever it took. And I loved it. Uh, I got to travel and play, which was fun. Um, and you know, it was just something that I could, you know, if I had a rough day at work or, you know, uh, or something like that, I could go there and just, you know, you know, beat the crap out of that little, you know, cellular ball and just, uh, and just have a lot of fun. It's always a game where you're continuously learning and the game is constantly evolving, you know, new styles, new techniques, and, you know, to be able to stay on top of that and just have a good time with it and experiment is so much fun. Um, now, do you find that you can play for fun or do you get uber competitive like right away? Both. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, like I'll get in there and I enjoy playing for fun. But if it's a, if it's a really good game, you know, and, and I think it's that way with sometimes, you know, you, you know, with, with an athlete or, you know, something is, you know, when things start to get really heated and really intense, you know, you know, you start to focus even more and you start to become more competitive and you start to, you know, maybe notice things that weren't there before. And, mm-hmm. um, but I love it. I love when, um, 
you know, I'd love when like the crowd would get in, like if I'm playing at a tournament or something and, you know, we happen, you know, my match happened to be one of the only ones going on and it was a good match and the crowd would get into it. And it was amazing. It didn't happen to me very often, but when it did, it was just, it's an otherworldly experience, but you know, even if it was just me and the guy across the table, I, I love, I love the game and I love playing it. And, uh, you know, all those, all that time was, was pretty amazing for me. Gotcha. So now you just go to conferences and if they have a, uh, table tennis, uh, I haven't table there that you, uh, top, the one at Topcom was in a little restaurant, but I haven't, uh, I haven't actually been to a, a conference yet that actually had some tables set up. Um, so I'm. We're gonna have to get Mike on that for uh, Creative South. <laughs> that would be a, that'd be a lot of fun, I'd especially have really... if Alan Peters comes back. Because I remember his talk uh, two years ago. He uh, mentioned that he was the I don't remember if it was the target runner up or the uh, target <laughs> champion for like two years running. Oh, that'd be great. So. Alan Peters, fantastic, fantastic guy. I love I love chatting with him. But uh, that'd be that'd be fun. It'd be yeah. fun to play. It'd be fun to play. But you now correct me if I'm wrong. You took it to a point where you were, was it sil- silver medalist at the Junior Olympics? Two times silver medalist at Junior. Olympics. I won uh, doubles. And, was it uh, silver medal in doubles and the uh, team competition uh, in Des Moines at the, the Junior Olympics? Yeah, wow, that was uh, that was pretty crazy. That's very cool. Yeah. So, well, now you can uh, every agency in town that has a table tennis thing there. You can. Uh, you can go in there and challenge them, see if you can get some uh, overflow from them and pick up things and weasel your way into projects uh, just by playing off those uh, table tennis skills. It's, it's, it's fun. It's a fun story, but it's, a, you know, I'm <laughs> it's, so it's not an award winning um, job that's going to get you rich. <laughs> be, that'd be pretty ironic, right? Yeah. But, um, but it's, it's, they it's just, it, what, it's just what was really, the movie they made balls of fury. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. seen like half of it. So <laughs> <laughs> it was, well, you know, there's something there, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, not a lot of folks know that, but, uh, it's something that I've always enjoyed and, uh, you know, it's nice to kind of step away from this from time to time and be able to do that. Well, now, so now that we've talked about it on here, people are going to start challenging you. Oh, man. All the thousands of people listening to this are just going to, you know, yeah. Bring your paddles, bring your balls, and, uh, you know. T- table tennis, ginger. Uh-oh. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fun. It's going to be, this is going to be great. I, 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 I will not be one of those people talking smack. I can guarantee you that I have um, the eye hand coordination of a blind bat that's in its 90s. Ooh. I'm, I'm horrible eye hand coordination. So I, um, which is why when I did sports in school, they involved things that did not involve eye hand coordination, like swimming and track. <laughs> <laughs> I can move in a straight line. That's about it. Nice. So, um, you know, so moving on from that, you know, we've talked, uh, you know, about your illustrious table tennis career, um, your, your penance in the machine shop and uh, Apple store and, you know, things at studio temporary. But, um, you know, aside from junking, what do you do for fun? Um, 
you know, I, I like to, you know, I like, you know, playing sports, you know, wherever I can, you know, whenever I can, uh, mm-hmm. a basketball court right up the road from us, um, you know, going out to dinner and stuff with, uh, with my family. I mean, I don't, I don't get out and do like a ton of different things. Um, mm-hmm. but I enjoy hanging out with, um, hanging out with Julie, hanging out with Sean, um, do a whole lot more of that, um, this, uh, this year for sure. That's, um, that's one of my goals too. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, it's nice. I enjoy, you know, I enjoy good Netflix, you know, show binge with my wife, you know, mm-hmm. working right there next to her. Um, but, uh, you know, it's kind of nice. Um, I keep my, you know, I, I keep things, I keep things pretty simple. Yeah. That, that's the way Tina and I are. It's, I mean, especially once you have kids, it's, it can yeah. be tough. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's always fun to get them out of the house and do fun things with them. But at the end of the day, <laughs> you're so tired that, like you said, mm-hmm. that Netflix binge seems like the greatest thing in the world. And it's nice, um, yeah. you know, and then we, you know, as if we didn't have enough going on, we actually got a cat about two months ago, a little kitten. And uh, that's been that's been uh, one fun, fun day after another. Um, it's actually been really, really good for uh, for stress. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I, um, yeah, well, it depends on what the kitten gets into it. <laughs> Yeah, she did. She's done great, great so far. I mean, um, her little bed or whatever is here in the studio, mm-hmm. and you know, she might climb up on the on the desk or, or on the the desk or something, or sit in my lap, or just take a nap, run around the house for a little bit or whatever. But it's kind of nice. Yeah, thankfully kittens aren't like dogs. They're not gonna, you know, puppies go around and chew everything in sight. And yeah, we haven't had any issues with that, which is which has been really nice. Um, but. Uh, Cat will just rub its face on everything and maybe try yes. to maybe try to stick its claws into the sofa or your legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's 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 kind of it's it's a nice little life too. And then um, you know Sean's in preschool mm. uh, right now, so we have those you know those few hours during the day where it's you know just Julie and I, you know. And then there's that bit of you know how's he doing in school or you know, talking with his teachers and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to help him, you know, move forward. I mean, it's, you know, taking him to school that first day was kind of rough and it's, it's not really easier. It doesn't really get easier. No. But, um, I'm thinking once they get to be teenagers, it will be easier because you will just want them out of the house. Uh, true. True. <laughs> but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see I, how I know I, you know, looking back at it, I was a horrible teenager and I feel so much pity for my parents and so much fear for myself <laughs> because I, you know, what's the old expression? You know, however bad you were, your kid's going to be twice as bad. And it wasn't that I was like a bad kid, but you know, I ended up with twins. So I don't know what that says that God had in mind for me and my wife, but uh, I actually have twin sisters. Do Oh yeah, you do. You've mentioned that to me before. Yeah. I'm the oldest in the family, but I have a little brother and then, to a pair of identical twin sisters. Yeah, and my boys are identical too. So I've met them; such cool kids. Yeah. Well, and your kid's pretty cool too. And so you know, kind of moving on that, and we can edit this out as much as you want to. You know, with the kids, we kind of have something in common as you know, dealing yeah. with some special needs um, for both kids. You know, how how much of a challenge has that? placed on you as far as you know just time management and 
you know, because it, it, it is it is a different situation than just raising, and I hate to use this phrase, because raising typical kids. I mean, mm-hmm. typical kids, I mean, they're a bundle of energy. You know, you, you go through all that things, those same things as well. But then when you have special needs, like, you know, because my kids, just putting it out there, my kids are on the autism spectrum, and then you know, Sean is on it as well. And, you know, I, I know Sean's high-functioning, my kids are high-functioning. But it does create those challenges. How do you and Julie kind of deal with that, you know, in, in not just your personal life, but in your professional life? How does, does it ever carry over? Yeah, it, it kind of does. I mean, you know, when you work from home, you you know, you try to set your own schedule. But, you know, sometimes, you know, family doesn't necessarily you know, work within a stringent schedule. It's Mm -hmm. a 24 seven job. And, you know, Julie has been incredible working with Sean and, you know, helping me along because it's, you've seen how, you know, like you think of how you were raised and Mm -hmm. you think, all right, I say something and he's going to get it. You know, but you might say something and, you know, he might forget it 10 minutes later. Yeah, there's that process. You know, and, and then you have to, it's a re-explaining and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, there needs, there's a, there's a patience that it's helped me to cultivate. Um, I'm still learning. I'm still, you know, you deal with things from day to day. And, you know, you don't give any excuses, you know, for what they're going through. But at the same time, you realize that it's just going to be a different process. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, there's a different, there's a different way to deal with certain situations. Like when I was growing up, you know, in one situation, I know that my parents would have dealt with me completely different. I have to look at it in a completely different light when I'm dealing, when I'm, when I'm dealing with Sean and yeah it's it's i think it's that understanding and you and i have talked about this before of just it's a way that kids process things mm-hmm. you know first of all you've got the challenge of again with all kids they haven't had a lot of those life experiences before so they're gonna you know they're gonna test their boundaries and come up with things differently but then you know like I'll give an example here. So my kids um, in the past week have figured out how to get on top of their dresser, which I'm pretty sure they knew how to do that before, but have taken to leaping from their dresser to their beds, which, you know, I'm fairly certain I probably did as a kid, but as a parent, I can't condone that. Mm -hmm. But whereas if my parents told me not to do it and, you know, you can't exactly if they're jumping off their bed. You can't ground them to the room for that because then they're locked in there without uh, without supervision and can do it all they mm-hmm. want. But you know, if I got in trouble for it or if I got told not to do it, granted, I'm a little thick-headed. It one or two times I'm eventually going to get it. My kids, it's um, just going to um, repeatedly. Um, take that reiterating but you know I, I can't approach it in a negative fashion which a lot of times is a challenge for me and I think it's a challenge for a lot of parents because you get in this um, frustration mode when you're just like you, you've got to stop doing that 
Yeah. But it's that understanding. I mean, there's there's certain things that you can't really comp you know, you can't really back down from, but at the same time there's a way to do it. And getting, you know, kind of seeing it from his perspective and thinking of it, you know, along, you know, what he's going through. It's not easy, but it's it's not something that I would that I would really ever want to give up. I mean, it's not going to be, there's a long road ahead, but, um, you know, I've seen, (laughs) I've seen him do some incredible stuff and, um, his imagination is, is, is just wild. You know, he may not sit down and, and draw with me or, you know, or something like that, but, you know, he might, uh, <laughs> he might be having a rough day or I might be having a rough day mm-hmm. and he'll just come in and, and say something to me or put his arms around my neck or something and everything just kind of, everything just kind of goes, just kind of, all those troubles just kind of go away. That's the and beauty of kids. It's it's really amazing, and you know you, you want the best for your kid, and you don't want them to have to deal to deal with you know with this type of stuff. But at the same time, at the same time, God's got something special for him. I don't mm. know what it is yet, but he's teaching you know he's teaching us something, and he's preparing Sean for something big. And uh, I'm really excited to, uh, you know, just like everything else in my life, really excited to see where it's going to go. Yeah, that that's, you know, I think that's one of those cool things about having kids is, and an interesting thing about having kids with special needs is you can, you can step outside and look at it from a different perspective. And, you know, I know for me, it took me a long time to kind of, once they come to terms with it, but learn how to deal with it and learn those things that, you know, may frustrate me in the moment, you know, right. it's just that moment. And, you know, it, they'll, they'll eventually, you know, what may, you know, what you and I may pick up in five seconds might take them a little longer, but then there's, you know, those blessings of, you know, they there's certain things that they do so much better than I ever can do. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Sean's imagination and I I think that's, you know, I think that's an awesome thing of, you know, if he's got that imagination there, then he, he, he's got something going for him. And I, I mean, I think everything that you and Julie have been doing has been great. Um, and I know you and I talk about it, you know, every once in a while. So, um, I appreciate you sharing that on here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not to give the, not to give our listeners the impression that this is ending on a sad note. Um, cause I don't think that is a sad note. I think that's, you know, I think that's a parental concern that a lot of people have, no matter what situation their kids are in is. I mean, any, any parent with their salt wants the best for their kids. Yeah. You want the best for your kids. You want them to do that. Um, so, 
you know, it, it's finding that that way to approach approach that humanity in a way that you would differently than normal. So it's you know, it's getting down on the kids' level, um, whether that's you know, in a quite literal fashion of you know, since they're lower to the floor, you kneel down and talk to them or give them a hug that way or read a story to them, um, you know, that way. Mm-hmm. Or it's just, you know, finding their interest points and relating with them. Um, so, you know, let's, let's talk about that. What, what, you know, what's Sean interested in? Um, it's kind of funny. I mean, he's, you know, he's into a lot of the same stuff that I was a kid, you know, he loves trains. He mm-hmm. loves, loves Legos. He loves, uh, you know, rescue heroes and different things like that. Um, he can take um, he can take the the weirdest little things and um, and make something out of them, um, which is you know which is pretty cool. You know he loves he loves to play. Uh, you know he loves to go out there and play basketball with me. And you know his you know idea of you know oh we're gonna go play basketball is he's gonna run all over the court while dad's out there playing. <laughs> you know or that's um, awesome. He enjoys after. after Hopefully, he get, sleeps better after that too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he sleeps really, really well. But you know, then we, you know, as soon as it's time to go, you know, we go to the car. It's like, all right, he knows we're headed to, to the McDonald's or headed to, uh, you know, uh, the the gas station or something to get a drink or get a snack or something mm-hmm. like that. Which was always a lot of fun with me growing up uh, with my dad. Um, but. Um, you know, he enjoys playing, he enjoys the cat a lot, which has been a huge, uh, huge, uh, help in, uh, you know, in his development is having that, uh, having that, you know, you know, having Ella around like that. It's been, that was one of the main reasons we got the cat in the first place. Um, but, um, he's just, he's so full of life and full of, you know, curiosity and, you know, he has rough days just like everybody else does. But, mm-hmm. you know, in the end, <laughs> it's amazing to see, you know, how far he's come. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what's going to happen down the road. Yeah, that's an awesome thing. I think that's a uh, that's a good way to end it. Um, so we like to wrap up the podcast by... Um, just saying, go out and hug some necks. So, you know, go out and hug some necks. Sure. I will. Um, if you, um, you know, if you want to keep up with uh, some of the stuff that's going on, you can find me, um, the studio temporary.com. That's what um, I was about to ask you. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry. Sorry. Now I'm jumping the gun. Now oh I'm no, jumping. no, it's perfectly fine. Um, my website is, uh, the studio temporary.com. Uh, if you, uh, like some of the stuff I make, I actually sell some of it. It's the studio temporary dot dot com. All of my uh, social media is at studio temporary for Twitter and Instagram. And, um, you know, hit me up. I love saying hi to folks. I love, uh, getting in contact. Uh, I'm a Southerner, so I love, uh, talking over food. Um, you know, whether it be barbecue, barbecue. or a pizza or a, hamburger or all those really bad things for you fried um, food is a wonderful good stuff and horrible all the thing. good you know just some incredible stuff up here um but you know thanks to um you know thanks to, to you know just for having me on tonight thanks oh, to uh, thanks for sharing 
Yeah. So thanks to my buddies at Creative South for uh, for giving me this opportunity. And uh, man, I'm gonna see all you guys here in a couple months. Or we're counting down by days now, according to uh, according to some of the folks. But uh, you know, reserve my hotel and everything. I'm gonna be down there. I'm ready to go. And uh, I can't wait to see what this year is gonna bring. So did you book your hotel today? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I am. Uh, this, we've got a uh, at my work. We have a local corporate travel portal that we have to go to. Yeah. And um, of course, you know, the day that I'm trying to book stuff is the day that it doesn't happen. Yeah. So, <laughs> but we will see everyone at Creative South. Thanks again, Scott. Yeah, no, thanks. Right, I'm going to stop recording real quick. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week. You can find more of Scott's work on Dribble and follow him on Twitter at Studio Temporary. I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. You can keep up with the podcast and Creative South on Twitter and Instagram at Creative South GA or head over to CreativeSouthGA.com. And if you like the Creative South podcast, head over to iTunes or Stitcher, rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks.